I'm Jacob Stevenson. And I'm Josh Way. Welcome to our podcast here at Shutter Speed Media. This is a podcast for people interested in both video and photo production in the automotive industry. Today, oops, our goal is to share and educate and entertain you guys with stories, experiences, and content that we've created, plus bring on guests to share their experiences in this field. In today's podcast, we'll be talking about photography with someone who I've followed for many years, actually. He's been creating car content in South Florida way before many of us have even shot our own, like our, our first cars. Um, in fact, I was just um, back on his YouTube channel and looked at his oldest video. It's it's already uh, his first upload on video for uh, um, YouTube was nine years ago. Um, but along with that, he's also a very talented photographer. And... Um, so without further ado, uh, Dave Nickerson, welcome to the podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little introduction. Well, hey guys, uh, thanks for having me. I, I am Dave Nickerson and I'm from South Florida in between Palm Beach to Miami. It's where I spend most of my time traveling, but um, I've been a photographer for the past, professionally for the past 10 years. And like most of us, I've been shooting cars since I, I couldn't even tell you, probably 20-something years since whenever I could pick up a camera and run around different places taking pictures. So Nice. So, like, I mean, you were originally from Florida, right? Yes. And so how, I mean, the car thing, were you born into a car family? What was the, what's the backstory? <laughs> so I wasn't really born into a car family. My parents aren't car people at all. I mean, they like certain cars. Uh my mom actually had a Nova, which was cool. I found that out a few years ago. Uh, and my dad had um, a VW Carmen Ghia, and that was like the extent of like their car stuff. And that, those are just normal cars for them back then. Um, but besides for that, my parents aren't car people at all. And what they, I think how I got into cars was my parents would get me little matchbox cars when I was little, and I would spend all day playing with them. And that was the only toy that I really played with were cars. So they just kept giving me more cars. And then I guess right. that just made me go out and uh, really get into cars even more. Right. So like, what was the, like, what was the car you lusted after kind of right in the early days? What was like the one that really caught your attention? Um, I'm going to have to say the Dodge Viper. <laughs> that was, well, you're, you're, Jacob here is, as our listeners know, he's really into Dodge Vipers as well. So uh, I know we didn't get a chance to see it when we were down there, but tell us a little bit about uh, the fact that you now have a Viper in the garage. Well, so yeah, the, the Dodge Viper is really special to me, especially the blue and white, because when I was 16 years old, um, there was a Dodge Viper across from a house that my mom was friends with. And she called me up and said, hey, there's this blue Viper over here. You should come over and see it before they leave. And we already talked to the owner. You can come over and check it all out. So I got my little wind-up Kodak camera, like I always did, and uh, drove over there. Um, I think I was, you know, I was 16, maybe 17 at the time. And as soon as we got there, the guy was like, you want to go for a ride? And long story short, after that, that was my first uh, exotic, I know people don't call the Viper exotic, but, it, you know, exotic supercar. Backward. Yeah, it's a it's an it's an exotic American car. I would I would I would definitely agree with the fact that it's exotic. Our uh, our stories are pretty similar because yeah. the first Dodge Viper I saw was the same. Yours is a GTS Gen three Gen two. Yeah, yeah. So the first one that I actually 
Yep. Yeah. The first one I ever had experience with was actually a buddy of my dad's in Colorado. They went to college together. And so we did a ski trip with the family and we stayed at their house and it was this big house in the mountains. He's like, you want to see something cool? And he called it the banana, right? It was just the yellow Gen 2 GTS. And I was like, this is an amazing car. It's got such a classic like shape to it, the long hood and the short tail with the, you know, nice little lip on the back. And it is a good looking car. Oh, yeah. So it's great for me. It's a a dream for me to finally be able to have that car. I actually have a whole story I'm putting together for my YouTube channel on why I bought the car and the whole process behind it. So I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more about your YouTube channel in a second. But tell us a little bit more about photography in the early days for you in Florida, what was, I mean, what was the scene like when you were starting out? What was, I mean, there obviously was uh, a much smaller amount of, uh, or fewer number of, of people in the photography world. Car photography 20 years ago was kind of like non-existent, right. um, except for only on a commercial level. Um, how did it start for you? What was your, you know, what were your experiences back then? And uh, just walk us through that. Yeah. So um, originally I wasn't really into photography at all. Like uh, that wasn't what I wanted my occupation to be. I was into automotive um, body repair. I painted cars when I was in high school and I wanted to further that career, went to become uh, a tech for Toyota for many years. And during that whole process, I would leave and go to car shows on the weekend. I ended up meeting with a, a few exotic car owners because <laughs> out of all cars, my Tiburon, I posted something on the forums about the Tiburon and how Penaferina, uh made the car or designed the car or something like that. And mm-hmm. a few of the guys reached out. We were talking about car show stuff. I went out to one of their meets. And I was in my Toyota uniform meeting with some of these Ferrari owners at a really fancy restaurant one day. And they kind of just took me in under their wing and they're like, hey, you know, you're a nice guy. You like cars. You're nice. more than welcome to come out to any of our car meets. And I would go nice. out there. Uh, I, at this point, I had a, a digital camera. It wasn't really good at all. I think it was like uh, a Lumix or something. like. I think I still have it. And I would just take quick little snapshots of it. And... Um, I would hop into a Ferrari or a 360, whatever, and go on these little rallies with them and take pictures. One thing led to another. I'm buying my first DSLR D8. Uh, it was a Nikon D80, and I had a 10 to 20 Sigma. I, I own like that camera too. <laughs> ever, but yeah, it's good for getting like rolling wide shots when you're really close. And people were just like, "Hey, we love your photos. Keep shooting." And from there, uh, like you said, the car in, the the car world wasn't that big yet. There wasn't Obviously, Instagram and Facebook weren't really popular. I think the only thing that was popular at the time for automotive photographers or any type of photographers was Flickr. So I would post everything up on Flickr. And from there, I would get calls from other clients. Um, For me, what really kicked off my photography career was when I got called by my first magazine I was ever in, which was the first front cover I was ever on. And that guy was really good with a kind of just helping me and say, this is what you need to be charging. You're not charging enough. He was, when he first called me, he said, how much do you charge like to do like a feature in a magazine? I'm like, I have no idea. I've never charged anyone for anything. I'm just right. getting into this, but <laughs> right. I've been doing this for a year. And he right. was like, look, I'm going to pay you $800 for your first couple features, which it turned into like $1,600. And then I did so many features for these magazines over time. 
And I'm, I'm thankful for those people in the beginning that didn't try to take advantage of someone who didn't know anything about photography and how much to charge because those yeah, people, that was a thing of the past. You know, no. They helped me. Yeah. yeah. Right. Nice. I like that. So, so it sounds like you ended up traveling quite a bit. Tell us like, I mean, you've been around, do you, do you stick to South Florida? Do you, have you shot around the country? Um, where, where have your uh, experiences brought you? Well, I've, I've, in the beginning, I wasn't really able to go too many places. I had a full-time job. I've been full-time for 10 years now, a little bit more than that. But before, um, I could only travel South Florida. Georgia was a, a track I would go to a lot, Road Atlanta. And they would fly me out to Laguna Seca, my first couple clients, like Mercedes and, and stuff like that. And then Lamborghini, would I would travel with them for a couple shoots. But... I really didn't travel that much in the beginning. It wasn't until later when I went full time that I started traveling to state to state to state, like all the time. But most of my stuff happens in South Florida. There's a lot of work to sure. be done down here, but I, I much enjoy going into the mountains. Florida's kind of boring because we don't have mountains or anything fun. I'm right. always jealous. Of- well, I, had, I, I, I definitely get that. You got to get pretty creative in Florida to, to keep like fresh content looking fresh because you know we've we've all seen the shots in the parking garages okay we've all seen the shots like yeah. on the on the cut across roads to the other side of the uh florida you know we, it's all the same you know locations and i'm sure it's pushed a lot of people to be creative and i've definitely seen that from a lot of people but um and more things are getting restrictive as time goes on like the beaches you can't park on the beaches anymore unless you go to daytona you know there's you need permits for everything in Miami. So yeah, it's very difficult. Right. Right. Yeah. The world is, it's definitely getting harder to be, um, a photographer up here too. I mean, there's so much development going on. I mean, I remember back when like the dangerous neighborhoods were like the coolest places to shoot because no one would go there. And like, there was always just always abandoned and always like cool and looked great and you could find great textures. And, um, now it's like everything up here has been renovated and, um, you know, redeveloped. And now it's like a bunch of hipsters everywhere and they're <laughs> parking their Priuses in all my shots and like, fuck, you know? So well, you that's guys, what we're dealing with in Minneapolis. Down when you were in Miami recently, right? Like that used to be a place that no one would go and shoot. It was really run down. You would have, you know, the artist that would paint on the walls. Now, if you're down there, security kicks you out. They're like, no, you can't take pictures here. You need a permit. Right. And, and who the heck is paying for those securities at the city of Miami paying for that? Right. Is it the city of Miami paying for all that security? Because, yeah, we got yelled at by that chick. A handful. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's right. We got yelled at just for parking there. We weren't even going to film at that one location. And we got yelled to leave. That was, which takes the fun out of it. It's like, you know, we're just, we just want to go out and get really cool shots. And yeah, it's like, we're clearly not doing a drug deal or causing mischief or being rowdy. It's like, we're just coming in, be quiet. We're being respectful. We're just trying to do our jobs and um, have some some fun. And you know, there's always somebody there to shut down the fun. It stinks, but that's the that's the challenge when you don't have permits and big budgets and stuff. But we do what we can. Finding that permits and big budgets yeah. cost money, and it's it's even harder it seems nowadays to get more money out of clients. You've been around way longer than I have, at least in this industry. So it'd be interesting to hear, like from your point of view, you're getting flown around by, you know, Lamborghini and Ferrari in these places to shoot state to state to state. And then suddenly you get platforms like Instagram stories, or you get TikToks, or you get all these influencers that can take a photo, not as equal in quality, but as effective in in marketing and advertising. And it, it, in a sense, has completely devalued what you're doing. 
Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And that's, that's another reason why when I was saying this one guy educated me, I try to educate when younger photographers come up to me all the time. I'm, I actually get a little bit ticked off when I find out that the younger photographers, I'll see them at a car show, they'll go up to these Instagram like celebrity photographers who have like a hundred thousand followers, but they don't shoot for anyone corporately. They're doing, they're right. doing good work. I'm not knocking them at all. They're doing good work, but they're not getting paid for it. They're not, they might work at a normal job as their hobby. And when they, have these young people who are like, hey, what do I do to get started? They're like, oh, buzz off, little kid. And then they come up right. to me like, hey, that guy was really rude. Like, we just wanted to ask him questions. I'm like, you guys can ask me any questions you need. Because I'd rather educate them on, look, don't do stuff, you know, for free. Or if you do something for free, use it to your advantage. I mean, hey, look, I still do free photo shoots and video shoots every once in a while. Yep. But it's to my own yep. advantage to either get content that I normally couldn't get or to kind of get me in the door, which normally helps me get more clients. Or in some cases, YouTube videos, I would do like a compromise. Like, hey, I'm shooting this Aventador for you. Can I borrow an Aventador for like two days? And they're like, yeah, sure. You know, yeah. I use that to my advantage and I can make money off of that video elsewhere. So I, I try to tell them, you know, don't do the free shoots. Don't do the $100 shoots, especially if you're really good. Don't undercut yourself because these companies are just going to use you and once you're like, hey, I, I'm supposed to be getting like two or three hundred bucks or five hundred dollars for a shoot, they're like, oh yeah, um, we're not going to use you anymore. We're going to find someone else that will do the free stuff for Instagram, you know, likes or whatever, you know. <laughs> and that's, that's definitely devalued our industry for sure. Right. Yeah, we face those challenges every day. I definitely try to educate kids too because I've got a lot of people that follow me and every time I do a shoot they're, they ask they ask two questions you know <laughs> who's this car owner which I don't share client information because they would just yeah. want to go find them and shoot for free but um, and then is this car in Minnesota is this car in Minnesota so we always make that a joke but they just they love tracking down people so they can get a car in front of their camera but um, I, I try to always tell people like yeah I mean that that's fine but like you said if you're gonna do free work and I don't advise it on the regular um, you, you have to make sure it's with it's with a purpose you know you're trying to make an introduction to somebody you're trying to get your foot in the door somewhere um, but you have to make it clear portfolio obviously you need right. photos on your page if you get right. it work so yeah you right. do that for a little bit and then you quickly move on if it doesn't if you're not getting the jobs within like a year or two or you're not getting a single job then you probably need to move on and try something <laughs> different right but right that's really tough i remember that transition kind of in my career path of like all right i was doing free work we're past that now i've met these people and they're willing to pay you know hundred dollars five hundred dollars little projects here and there and it was like wow i could make money doing this and then i like fell in this root of just cheap jobs all the time just trying to get work because I was afraid if I wasn't working, then I wasn't going to make money. But like when, when I actually started making money in this industry is when I figured out what I was worth and actually turned away the cheap work. And then with that kind of yeah. weeded out the people that don't argue with you on pricing. Some of the best feelings is like when someone emails you or calls you like, we need a video. What's it going to cost? Like, here's what I propose. Here's my pitch, my vision, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, great. Let's do it. Like yeah. that's my, the best. The best advice I've ever gotten for figuring out what a price is from a client is they contact you. They say, hey, what's it going to be to shoot this? And I did it. I'm not going to say the client, but I did it for one of my first clients, uh, which was a major manufacturer. And I said, what's your budget for this shoot? And they're like, $2,500. And I was like, yep. I think I can do it for that. And they're like, okay, let's do it. And it was a one-time shot for the back of a magazine, and we did it. And right. ever since then, that's what I do. I'm like, I'm going to get the most that I can out of that client. That's what they're willing to pay. They know what they're getting. 
from me because they've seen all my work. They're like, hey, we really want to work with you. But yep. I've done the other shoots where <laughs> I was shooting for one manufacturer for many years that I found out that one of their main photographers overseas was getting $40,000 for the sets that I was charging $2,000 for. And I was like, um, <laughs> and he actually told me, he's like, you need to be charging more. You're bringing me down. And I'm like, I thought I'm bringing, you know, like, I thought I was charging a lot more than what people should be charging. So yeah. um, I think education amongst other photographers to build up the whole community, which we used to have, you know, back in like 2010 to 2012, a lot of us, uh, long story short, we all, we all met up at uh, SEMA and we got together. There was probably like seven or eight of us. And we all just started talking about, hey, what do you charge? What do you charge? Who are your clients and everything? And yeah. we came together, and that kind of community has kind of fallen apart, unfortunately. But that was really right. good for us building us, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's it, I, I totally get what you mean there. I, I think that for me, I always feel, I, I, I guess when you boil it down, it's sort of like I feel insecure a little bit about being buddies with other photographers or sharing information because I've experienced firsthand undercuts left and right. I mean, um, I was actually just talking to another big time photographer who's great out in LA on Instagram. And he, he was just kind of ranting the other day cause it just happened to him. And he was, he was working with an agency. They were, they wanted him to do this big shoot. They asked him how he does this certain style. And all of a sudden, like a guy that he knows ended up getting the job and he didn't get anything. And it was just mm-hmm. like, Whoa, what just happened? Like, I like, spent years perfecting this particular craft and then you know and then you just and then you just leave me out to dry um but yeah it's or, i think it's where they like bring someone community. out to your photo shoot and literally videotape you and copy everything you do and your style right <laughs> right <Yeah>. unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately that's not copyright you know that's not copyright infringement you know when people well, copy yeah. your yeah. style you know um but it, it's, and, and it's people tough know, like so, and, and people who follow you they know they're like, I, when I still see shoots from this one particular brand, everyone always tags me and they said, hey, David, this is you? And I'm like, no, it's not me. And that's funny because yeah. it will sometimes be like one of the top comments on their page. And they're like, everyone's right. tagging me on it. And then you'll see it get deleted later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, come that's up with awesome. your own style. Come up with your own, you know, your own shoot stuff. But. Right. Right. And I've definitely seen some of that happens. myself too late lately too. It just, it kind of is a, a blow to the, you know, under the, under the belt, you know, it just felt like it, it just, it just stings a little bit when you put in a lot of work building up, um, relationship with clients. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, they'll just go with the cheaper, you know, a cheaper option or somebody that, you know, wowed them on some Instagram crap or whatever. But yeah, but I that, mean, that was another big back. thing about the community at the time we, um, we would contact each other and I was actually talking to a photographer about this the other day. Uh, I was contacted to go do a shoot and he was contacted and they said, so-and-so said this, that they'll do it for this price. And that kind of stuff used to happen all the time. And we would call each other saying, Hey, did this wheel company call you and say, you'll do it for 400 instead of 500. And sometimes they're like, yeah, I said I would do it for that, but I didn't know that you're the other photographer. Go ahead and you do the right. job. And I'm like, no, you can do the job. Like, it's okay. Yeah. But so there was a ton of transparency was, back then with that group, huh? What's that? They, you guys just had a lot of transparency as a group yeah, back we then. Did. Huh? Yeah. yeah. And it, it was funny because this one thing happened a lot. People didn't know that New View and Dave Nickerson are the same person. So I would get people contacting Dave, me, and then contacting and New, New View. View. Again, me right after and saying, Hey, new view said 
you know, you could do it for this. Or Dave said you could do it, uh, that he'll do it for this a little bit cheaper. And I'm like, you guys realize. It's kind of a genius way of getting (laughs) a better price. (laughs) Just upsell yourself in both cases. Right. Oh, yeah. you should. You know what? You should go with the other guy. You know what? <laughs> go with the other He's guy. Much you know, I don't better have time results, to do it anymore. Yeah. Go ahead and go with the last guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's a good uh, transition. So Newview, tell us the difference between what those two and you know you and Newview are. Is I know it's uh, Newview is sort of more of a video angle, right? No, actually, Newview is photos and videos. I just i i i started that. Just because I didn't want my name on any, everything, I wanted to actually do landscape photography at the time and other types of photography, and I was going to put my own name on that because I felt that was a little bit more personal. And the car stuff, I wanted it to be something bigger than it was. I wanted it to be, you know, production and video, and you know, it. I've done a lot of video production, not as much as I've wanted to over the years. Um, I actually enjoy video production a lot more than photography. I feel that you're challenged a lot more when you have to. Um, you have to get things right the first time. Photography, you can make a mistake. You can Photoshop it out. You can change the background and every, all that stuff. I know you can do that with video, but it's a lot more work. It's a lot more challenging. But you need to get a your video stuff right from the get-go. Your lighting needs to be perfect from the get-go. So um, I like that challenge. And the first yeah. major video that I did was the police chase video. Um, that was a production that I contacted the dealership. I found out that what they were doing with the Huracan police car wrap. And I said, look, I'll shoot everything myself. I'll come, I came up with the beats on it. I came up with all the sound effects, went back a few days after we were done shooting and got a couple flybys of the different cars and the revving. And then I put all the sound effects. And like I made, went into GarageBand and made everything myself. And then all the voice calls my parents actually did. And that was like my first real short film that I did. And I really yeah. loved doing that. That's awesome. Took- did you do a lot of like, like, you know, pre-planned edited videos or, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at your YouTube channel now and I followed these videos for years, of course, but a lot of them were just sort of like culture, like what's going on. Like here's some cool cars doing cool stuff, but they weren't like, they weren't like feature films or anything like that necessarily. Correct. You mean in the beginning, like why, like everything's kind of all over the place on my YouTube channel. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I mean, I, that's why that's what attracted me to the channel though. Early was like, yeah, just seeing hot cars doing doing crazy stuff at all the different, you know, events you went to and stuff. It was, I mean, those videos are like legendary. Yeah, and I, I was kind of doing it as I wanted a place. YouTube for me was just the place I could post all my videos, uh, the same way that Instagram is the place I just post all my photos and videos. Um, but I wanted my YouTube to be more production quality. And then I kind of changed my mind, like, you know what? I, I'm always with really cool cars, always with really cool clients. If I post a really cool video, I'll do that. I'll, I'll share it. But I'm also going to post the behind the scenes. I also will post maybe me taking the car out to lunch or something like that. Just kind of show everything yeah. that I'm doing with those vehicles right. because people don't get to see them. I get, I get responses all the time like, hey, I'm from Wisconsin in this small little town, and I never get to see a car like that. You just showed everything on the car that I haven't seen anywhere else. So I kind of started doing it for those people who they've never been, you know, near a Pagani before. And I can open the doors and unzip everything and show all those little features that most big channels really don't do, which I'm surprised because there's a lot of really cool stuff on these you know, crazy successful, successful videos on YouTube aren't necessarily the ones with the highest production quality, you know, no, not they're at the all. ones not that, all. that bring people into like 
just like a ground view of what you're looking at. And it can be like the worst quality video that will do the best, but it's all because people can engage through YouTube that way. It's like, yeah, cap capturing somebody's attention and how do you do that? It's not necessarily with a, a well-produced dramatic film. It's it's with something wild or something that people just want to click on. Which which is unfortunate like from a filmmaker's perspective here. It's like I'll spend 80 hours on a film and be so proud of it and it'll do half as good on YouTube as like, you know, the yeah. iPhone walk around video. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I just want people to appreciate it like I do, but you know, not all the time people on YouTube, that's not what they're looking for. They just want to see stuff and it doesn't matter if it's very high quality or not. So Dave, you said, you said that, um, you have taken a small break from YouTube in the, in the past like bit, but you're building up a big stockpile stuff to what's your plan. So my plan is to have, I I have a lot of videos, probably close to 50 videos that I've shot and I haven't edited all of them quite yet, but during this whole downtime, I've been working on a lot of projects. I'm not going to go into all the projects. You saw one of them when we were in, uh, when you guys came down to Miami. And we obviously yep. did some video with it. Um, there's that car. There's my own personal cars. I have the Viper. I have the BMWs. The you know the E9 is going to be another project I'm going to start working on. Um, I have a new truck that we're going to be doing some video on. It's a 53 Chevy pickup truck, which I haven't even posted on my, my own Instagram quite yet. And cool. just have a lot of, a lot of projects that, I've wanted to post out, and then I also have a lot of short films. I have behind the scenes from crazy supercars that I've never shared anywhere, including the CLK, GTR, uh, Pagani, uh, Pagani Waira, and uh, Pagani uh, HB Barquetta, which I shot a few years ago. I just have all the yes. videos now I'm going to post. But it's like the most gorgeous I, I car ever made. What's that? The, the Barquetta. It's just like the most gorgeous car like in the world. Is that the BC? Is that what it stands for? No, that's like this is like that roadster thing that has like the half covered wheels in the back. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like a yeah, like one of one, right? Pagani's, I think personal car. Yeah, pretty wicked. And I got to shoot. And yeah, and I got to shoot that car from I want to say like seven o'clock at night until ten o'clock the next morning. I was just left there in an open warehouse by myself, and I've never really posted anything from it because I was just like I wanted to do it. Like I called Brad and I said, "Hey, I know you have this car. Can you let me shoot it?" And uh, I took so many photos, probably like 200 photos of the car throughout the night and video. And I'm like, it's time that I need to get all these old videos that I've never shared anywhere. I need to start getting them out. So I wanted to get a whole a whole bunch of videos together to be more consistent on my channel and to come back strong. So I'm working on all those right now. Nice. I like it. Well, it's a good plan. I look forward to seeing those. Um, yeah. Moving on, I got another question. So like you've obviously been around, you've seen a lot of things, you've done a lot of cool stuff. What to you has been a couple of your like career highlights so far? I mean, what are those moments? I mean, we all have gotten to shoot. I mean, I'm not asking like, well, what's your favorite car? Cause that's impossible. Right. I'm asking like, what are the, the, sh- the shoots or experiences you've had because you are, are a photographer, videographer, um, that you've had that really, you know, that really made an impact. Well, first, since we were just talking about it, the police chase video was a huge, uh, successful part of getting my name out there. And I loved everything up until that video had to be taken down for political reasons, international political reasons, um, which has now been it's back up online again. But that video was on the front cover of Yahoo News. It was on the front cover of everything, Top Gear, ever, all these huge blog pages. And that was a huge thing for me. And I, if I could relive that again with one of my newer videos, that would be awesome. 
uh, because you're talking that about was the one with I'd, the Superleggera, right? What's that? The the Lamborghini police car chase thing is that the one you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just because yeah. I had so much time and effort into that that video and all that production that went into it, it was showing what I could do by myself. That was like a huge thing for me to show that everyone appreciated it. And it went viral. I mean, it was getting 100,000 views, at least viral for me, 100,000 views a day before I had to take the video down. And, you know, that was that was big. I mean, some other major moments were obviously shooting uh, press releases for different manufacturers and seeing my front cover uh, on the front cover of Forbes or other big magazines and that's always a big thing for me when you can see your work getting plastered all over the internet and on billboards and stuff like that. You're like, I did that. And you're really happy and you're excited that that's your work. You know, even if people right. don't really know it's you, <laughs> eventually they find right. out that it's you when you post it on your own pages. But those are always huge for me. And you said about, you know, we can't get into dream cars, but I've shot a lot of dream cars and driven a lot of dream cars. The HP Barquetta, even though it wasn't far, got to drive that around in that huge warehouse. I got to drive a Reventone, which not many people can say that they've driven a Reventone. Uh, you know, TOK GTRs, prototypes of cars that were clay that you couldn't even touch the skin of the car because it would like push in. And right. yeah, yeah I've, I, I've always loved those opportunities. The 177 I shot for DuPont Registry's front cover. Uh, I'm not really big into celebrities. Like I really don't follow sports that much. I didn't even know who Floyd Mayweather was when I shot him, but that was a really cool moment going out there to SEMA and shooting all that stuff for him and that getting a front cover. So those kind of things. I remember that shot. Really cool. Yeah, that, that was that I, with all of his white do. cars, right? Weren't all of his cars white in front of his mansion, that shot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that shot. That was I, awesome. Actually, I actually did my own shot when I was inside of uh, in between all those cars as well. Like, I, I got to stand in front of all these cars. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so I remember I was down in Florida a couple of years back and I bumped into you at the finale Mondiale at Daytona. And I was like, I wasn't there shooting for any particular reason, but that was just a moment for me that I, I really enjoyed. That was such a cool event. Um, and I like randomly bumped into you like in the pit garage. And I remember you were all mad because, because you like got the wrong pass or something that didn't let you go to like the pit wall or something. And I, I was like, Oh, I'm sorry, man. You know, cause I had like, I went and got a media pass, but I don't know. I was, I wasn't like, I wasn't there shooting for anybody. I was just like, this is happening here in America. I want to go check it out. Seeing all like the historic F1 cars and the FXX program cars. And I don't know, that's a, a cool moment for me. Oh, yeah. But Those are always fun. And uh, actually, we ended up doing like a parade lap, I think, with a couple of the Ferraris afterwards, which is always neat because sometimes those guys bring so many cars with them. They're just handing keys over like, hey you're a car guy. You've driven these things before. Here you go, person I don't know. Here's your million dollar car. <laughs> well, hang on, hang around. on. Where, was, where were they handing out keys? I missed that memo. <laughs> I uh, did not get that opportunity, but hey, whatever. Um, so yeah, then we, Jake and I were recently down to Florida and we met up with you. We just got off of the Corsa rally and uh, we got to, got to hang with you a little bit showed us around town um got some great footage of your friend's ferrari which is going to be we're going to put up some videos here soon on our uh shutter speed and we'll we'll get that out there because we got the rig car on uh a really um great looking ferrari down in miami area and it's just the sweet good Good looking looking rig rig. yeah uh, ferrari cruising around miami (laughs) yep Yep, it's awesome. That's still one of my best, like uh, my favorite Ferrari models for designs, the 360. But do you want to tell us about that car? Kind of dive into what you've done with it and 
what you want to do with the content you're producing around it? So we've we've done a very interesting conversion on that car, and uh, the the owner has over the years have done a lot of uh, challenge trolley parts on the car, and I'm trying to find him some side skirts, which I know he's going to be listening to this shaking his head because we found side skirts for him, uh, but we're still looking for ones that uh, don't need any type of work or repair and. That's, I think that's all it needs. It needs the side skirts, it needs the rear diffuser, and maybe the ducktail, and then it looks like a Challenge Trudali. And it's essentially, uh, it thinks that it's a Challenge Trudali based from the computers just getting retuned uh, recently. So, but there's a lot of secret stuff I haven't said anywhere else about it. I've obviously told you guys about it. I'm super excited. There's going to be a whole series. Um, I'm hoping five videos, maybe six videos on that car from everything we've done to it. So I'm super excited to get those videos out there to everyone i think people will enjoy them nice well obviously the whole world knows about it now because we you know our channel here is so huge we've got oh i know, you know we've got dozens of listeners <laughs> yep yep um no that's that's awesome we look forward to all that i think that uh photo and video nowadays neither one is more important or less important um but they are both equally important when it comes to any one person's individual growth as a creative and any company's um, use for for marketing and advertising. You you can't just have photo. You can't just have video. And that's why I think um, having skills on both are, 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 are beneficial. And then, you know, Jake and I partner up on a lot of stuff and um, create, create content for a lot of the same clients. And that, that is a, an effective way of just getting the best of your clients. And that's, um, yeah, that's what we've kind of figured out, but it's cool to see what people are doing with, with video and how it's evolved. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. And not a lot of photographers convert over to video either. And not a lot of video guys that I know convert to photography. So it's, it's really good to be able to do both for your clients. And it's, I know it's a little bit more challenging, but if you can make your photos and your videos look, you know, the same across the board, uh, you can get a lot of jobs from that. I know just recently I've been shooting a lot of video and photo content for a few of my clients right now. And that's great that they don't have to go somewhere else to get that, you know, separate work done. So I would encourage any photographer or videographer to cross over to both sides and uh, see if it works for you. If it doesn't work for you, then, you know. So, yeah, another thing I've gotten into is with a buddy of mine, the same person who owns the 360. Um, We started buying and selling cars over the past couple of years because we're both car guys. He's also in film and photography stuff, mainly film for MTV production. Does a lot of really cool stuff with that. And he wanted to start buying, you know, wreck cars. So we looked at cheaper cars, you know, like Hondas and Toyotas and stuff like that. And then eventually we're like, you know what? Let's just start looking for exotic cars because we're into exotic cars. We had a little bit of a budget that we could work with. And we started going to auctions, or at least I did. While he would be out working, I would go to the auctions. I would inspect the cars. I would bid on the cars. And that's kind of how I got my, my Viper. He, he contacted me and told me, hey, there's a blue with white striped Viper. I know it's like your ultimate dream car. Uh, do you want to go up and bid on that car? It's in Jacksonville. And I was like, ooh, um, it's kind of far. And that's kind of a long way to go to bid on a car that's only going to let be up on the you know block for like maybe 30 seconds to maybe not even win it. And that was kind of like my first, I was by myself buying a car, um, winning a car and then bringing it back. And then I was like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta do this more often. So we started finding other cars. Uh, you saw the GTR when you came down to Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
which is which is now which I will say so I do not like GTRs but I've said to Jacob as far as GTRs go the cleaner they look like the less like messed around with they they are the usually the better they look and dude the one you had it looked so good i was something about it that that orange and then being un yeah unchanged like unmodified and everything else like doesn't look like it's all just like been crazy overdone it looks sharp i like it a lot so you like gtrs now i like that gtr yeah I, i like i like gtrs um the car was originally satin black when we bought it and I, we, we should have unwrapped it a lot sooner. That orange was such a great color. I don't know why anyone would cover it up. It did have a wing on the right. back, which I was kind of off and on about. Not really a big. I like the way wings look on some cars, but it wasn't lowered. Everything else on the car was bone stock. Um, but, you know, it had a really good look to it. Uh, we had some other cars in our uh, group. We had a ZR1. Uh, that was a really fun car. The ZR1 was a 2009 yeah, 2009 or 2010 uh, white ZR1, which is really cool. I really enjoyed that car. We had a Z8 Alpina for a while, which I think I put more miles on than the owner did uh, because he just never drove the car at all. But that was an amazing car. Absolutely love that. And uh, we also had – we have, like, the Ferraris. We have the Porsches. Uh, we had a Porsche Carrera that was a 1990 that we sold that I wish we still had because I really liked that car. Um, it was such a fun little car to drive around, beautiful red car. And I know I'm missing other cars. Right right now we actually um, we have a Hellcat Red Eye edition, which I'm going to start filming some stuff this week of it if it would stop raining for a few days, which Florida, it rains every day, so it's kind of hard to wow. shoot down here again. You're, get, you're getting there. You're, you're almost, almost out of the, the, the crappy, crappy season there. there. But... Yeah. And you're going to be dealing with it when you come back down because we're in the rainy season for sure. Uh, yeah, we'll be down there uh, next week. Well, I shouldn't say that because this podcast might not come out. <laughs> we'll be down there on October 1st. How about that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, I've got a question for you, and this is more like a practical question. Um, we run into it a lot in our jobs, and we obviously um, bring it up quite a bit, is the question of like insurance and liability. Um how how do you handle this? Because um, plenty of shooters, you know, when they're on a commercial job or whatever, you know, you've got insurance that's going to cover liability and stuff. But a lot of times when you're shooting cars, you get handed keys to something because, you know, that's just kind of some perks of the job there. But what happens if you're in an accident? Like, how are you handling liability and, and coverage of, of your work and, you know, time that you're in cars that you don't own? So I'll start that off with a very funny story of... Anytime someone says to me, a client, don't crash it, I will not drive the car anymore. I'm not superstitious. I just don't drive the car (laughs) because two times that someone says don't crash it, someone else has done something of damage to the car. It wasn't me, but someone else has damaged that car on that day. So that's like a big no-no that I'm like, nope, here's the keys right back. I'm not touching it. And the first time (laughs) it happened, the guy handed me the keys, and he just said, hey, can you park my car? It was in his own place where he parks every single day, but he parks next to a wall. And he said, "Hey, can you can you park my my Lamborghini in there?" And I said, uh, "Yeah, I can I can pull it in the spot." It was really tight, and uh, I was like, "You know what? It's it's really really tight. I'm not sure if I want to park that car there. It's it's too tight of a spot." And he's like, "You're fine. You're not going to like wreck the car." And I'm like, "Nope. Here's the keys. You can do it." What happened? He pulled in and just crushed the quarter panel on the car. So. Oh. Um, yeah, I was, and I was like, oh my gosh, like if that was me, I would have felt awful for one. I would 
want to fix it. And there's only been one car that and it wasn't photography related at all. I was driving a friend's car that was lowered and we, I bottomed out and his car was so low that there's really no way around it. I mean, some of these cars that you drive, they're stance cars, whatever, like the wheel lip actually went on the outside of the fender. So I hit a huge bump in the middle of the road on 95 oh and gosh. I crushed the fender. And since I was driving the car, I offered to pay for it. And it was like 300 bucks when I paid for it. So right. it, and that wasn't a photography job or anything like that. But talking about those big high-end cars, most of the cars that I shoot are in the hundreds to $500,000 range, the normal cars that I shoot. But right. there are the cars that go beyond that. And when I shoot for like rental car companies, most of them actually call my insurance and they say, hey, are you covered up to this amount? And most of them say, oh, you're covered up to like $500,000, so which covers, you know, a full Aventador at that point or most of the car. Right. So they don't really care because my insurance in that case would cover the car if anything happens to it. Um, but when like the other dealerships, when I would take cars out for them, if I don't feel comfortable driving the car, I won't. If I if I feel the car, I've, I've actually hopped in uh, a Selena 7 once and my feet could not get right in there. I'm a tall guy. I'm 6'3", and you're yep. a tall guy as well. And yep. I got my, my feet in there. I took my shoes off, and I started backing out the car, and I'm like, I don't feel comfortable driving this car. And I got out. I said, no, I'm not going to take it, And which was very, very sad for someone who really likes, you know, high-end cars to be able to say, I don't feel comfortable driving this car. Right. You know, you got to make, you got to make the hard choice in those situations because yeah, if, if a lot of times I ask, you know, if I'm on a, a job where I'm working with a private client, you know, and he says, yeah, you can drive it. Um, or I, or I asked to drive it for whatever reason, part of the job. Um, I usually just say, okay, so I've got, I've got a $2 million liability policy that will cover me for, not car accidents, but liability, right? For, for, I mean, it won't cover replacement costs of someone else's car. So what I usually end up asking is, Hey, just give your call, give your insurance a call. Um, and just ask them to have me temporarily added as a, as a name driver. It costs them nothing. And if they're in good standing with their insurance company, you know, they'll gladly say, okay, done deal. It's, you know, you're, you're covered. You know, usually it's not even, have to, usually they don't even have to modify anything. They just say, you're good. You know, you're good. Um, yeah, because it's not, it's not you messing up. It's someone maybe around you that's messing up that maybe you have to break too early. And then you, if you lost control of the car or whatever, you know, something that wasn't maybe your fault or it could be the car's fault, you know, a tire blows out or something like that. Stuff can happen. Yeah. So or, if I ever have or any doubt in my head about something, I typically do not take the keys. And I, I don't always ask for the keys for the cars either. Sometimes they're just kind of given to me and they're like, just be careful with it. Or you're fine. I have full coverage on the car. You know, if anything does happen, call me first and I will, I'll help it. I'll help you get whatever you need to get done. Right. So, so, right. Which always yeah, makes me even more nervous. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a tricky world too. Cause you know, you, you, you could get into any sort of accident, whether you like it or not. And it might be some idiot that hits and runs and you're just screwed, you know, but, yeah. um, so anyway, that, I was just curious. And then one thing I thought about doing here is something that I've seen on, is a talk show or something, but they do, they pull up a photo from their Instagram and they say, explain this. So I've just been perusing your Instagram and I find back on January 4th, 2016, you posted a photo and it is an awesome photo. It looks like it's at Sebring, perhaps. You are shooting. What am I shooting? <laughs> you're, you're shooting four McLarens. One of them is an F1. 
and two, uh, three P1s. Yes. Walk us yes. through what's going on here, because that is a freaking awesome opportunity, it looks like. So my friend uh, actually put that track event on. He puts a track event on every year. And uh, that one, that red car in the back just happened to show up. I don't even think he knew the guy. He just happened to show up oh, nice. via another friend that was out there, which was really cool. Uh, some of that information of the owners of the car is obviously confidential, but uh, one of the guys owned two of the cars there, and then the other one was the track owner, and, or the, yep. the person who invited us out there, not the track owner, the, the person who rented the track for the day. And, yep, yep. yeah, we we ended up bringing all the cars out for a group photo of everyone that showed up, probably like 100 people who showed up to the event. And um, I said, hey, you know, can everyone just move out of the way? Got on the back of one of the Sebring, like, pickup trucks, uh, one of the, you know, like, EMS cars or whatever, and took a picture of yeah. all the cars together. And I think if you look even further down, you'll probably see a picture of a P1 with, like, the Grand Tetons in the background from Montana, which obviously that was on Sebring. I just Photoshopped the mountains because it looked a lot better than, you know, an empty paddock in the background. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. But, but if you look through my, my YouTube channel, you can see that I actually went, a, in, uh, I went for a ride in that P1 and in the McLaren F1 as well, which was a really okay. amazing experience to be able to – Go for a ride. Three three people in a McLaren F1 driving around Seabrae. I mean, were they were, were they were they off. were they pushing it pretty hard when you got when you got your lap? Oh yeah, he was pushing that car. He was actually not pushing the the P1 as much as he was pushing the F1. So he was driving nice. the F1 like it should have been driven, like really going in. And it's a very weird feeling because I was on the left side of the car or the our driver's side, even though he's in the middle of the car. So I felt like yeah. I was more driving the car <laughs> than anything yeah. being in that spot. Very, yeah. very tight space in there, though. Uh, it just that seems like an awesome opportunity. I have not had the chance to shoot an F1 yet, and I look forward to that opportunity someday. But cool shot. Um, yeah, very cool. But all right, well, I think that um, – we're kind of coming to a close here. So for everyone listening, we've been talking to Dave Nickerson. I think that uh, if you don't follow him, you've probably been in a hole somewhere, not paying attention because this guy's been shooting supercars uh, way longer than most of us. Um, and give him a follow on Instagram. His Instagram is Dave Nickerson two, and. Dave, you got a YouTube channel too, right? Yeah, it's New View, N-U-E-V-U-E. That's also where I post my professional photos is on New View as well. And there's okay, a lot of photos Instagram. to come. I probably, I probably have like 300 photos that no one's ever seen before I'm going to start posting when I start posting on YouTube again. So awesome, awesome. Well, we look forward to that. All right. Well, cool, Dave. Thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast. Again, this is uh, this is what it's all about. We're, we want to share information and, and just talk about the industry. And, and it's cool to hear from other people's perspectives from other parts of the country and uh, potentially the world if we get some other people on uh, in the future. But uh, Dave, thank you very much. And thank you. Yeah. For those who aren't already following, you can follow Dave Nickerson on both of his accounts, social media and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And you can also follow Shutter Speed Media media on instagram facebook and youtube s speed media at, at s speed media um thank you all for listening we're going to have another episode out next week so look for that and have a great day